We have an opportunity again to welcome Rob Wolf to our pulpit. Rob, come on up, buddy, and we'll, uh, we'll pray, and we look forward to what the Lord has put on your hearts. This is Rob's last Sunday with us, and, and uh, I think if he did, does half the job as he did last week, we'll, be, we'll all be blessed, and it'll be good for all of us. So, Rob, welcome again. We're glad to have you with us. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for Rob. We thank you for the call you've placed on his life, and we pray now that, Holy Spirit, that you would give him wisdom clarity again, calm his nerves, calm his anxiety, and may he preach boldly through the strength and the grace of Jesus Christ. Watch over him. We give you thanks for this, your word, and the ministers of it. In Jesus' strong name, amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Well, we stand for the reading of God's word this morning. This comes from Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Please be seated. Well, I'm glad to see that you guys all came back for the second week. Uh, We are here with you guys, and it really has been a wonderful time here in Arlington, Texas. And it hasn't been very hot. You know, that's been good. It it actually has been quite pleasant. So as, as we come to the climax of our week here with you, we're actually coming to the climax of the Psalter. Psalm 146 is the first of five praise psalms, and the focus here is pretty simple. It's to praise the Lord, and we see it repeated over and over in our psalm this morning. So the psalmist is calling the people of God in corporate worship to praise the Lord. Our psalm this morning is a hymn that was sung, and, uh, sung together in corporate worship with God's people. And there's three things I want us to see this morning. The first is a call to praise the Lord in verses 1 and 2, and who not to praise in verses 3 and 4. And then finally, in our longest point, and the whole purpose of the psalm is this, the Lord is worthy to be praised. So first, a call to praise the Lord. And last week, we looked at Psalms 1 and 2, and that's like, like I said, an intro to the whole entire Psalter. And so as we break down Psalm 146, we can use the lens of Psalm 1 and 2 to help us understand this psalm. A lens in which we see the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked, and Yahweh, the Lord, is the true king. So a call to praise the Lord, like I said, verses 1 and 2. 
This is the way of the righteous. And not only is this a call, but even more specifically, more directly, this is a command. God is commanding his people to praise him. But we see in verses 1 and 2 that this corporate command, this corporate call, becomes a personal praise. And we see this ideal disciple described to us by the psalmist in verses 1 and 2. The ideal disciple declares full devotion to the Lord in all of life. I hope that sounds familiar to you this morning, because that's exactly what we see in Psalm 1, the way of the righteous. Verse 2, this ideal disciple says he will praise the Lord as long as I live. So we see in Psalm 146, Psalm 1 being lived out. I hope you also see this morning in in verses 1 and 2 the urgency that this ideal disciple is giving us. He's calling God's people to worship and enjoy God now while we still can. And I want us to see that this is a corporate call and an individual call for us. This is God's ideal realized for our lives, to worship him together and individually. So a question we we need to answer this morning, okay, we're called to praise. It's a commandment to us, but what exactly is praise? And I think this psalm helps us answer that question. Verse 2, just as we were just seeing and with this ideal disciple, praise is full devotion in life. A God-centered life is praise. Verse 3, praise is trust. Trusting in something that provides true salvation. Verse 5, praise is finding help and hope in the object of what's being praised, where we find our help and hope. So what we, what we can see from this psalm is praise is not just on Sunday mornings, the Lord's day, but it's in all of life. And in fact, it's the purpose for all of life is praise. And it's responding to the joy of knowing God, of knowing this covenant God and our Lord. A British soccer team has a slogan that is this, the game is about glory. And what they're trying to articulate is that the the beautiful game of soccer is to be played in such a way that brings about to glory. And I I think that's really helpful for us this morning because we have to see that if they believe the game is about glory, we have to see that life is about glory. And what we praise shows or demonstrates where we think we find real glory. And this morning, if the game is about glory, life is about glory, and so our stories really, really matter. The psalmist here is calling us, the Lord is calling us to praise him in our lives. And not only is it a commandment, but we are created for this worship. We, you and I are created for purpose. Everyone here on this Lord's Day is created for a specific story and purpose for your life, and that is to praise the Lord. And it looks different for all of us. So we're called, this is how we were created, this is Genesis 1 and 2, to reflect the image of God in our lives and to know Him in deep relationship and praise Him in all of life. But that's not the end of the story of the Bible. We know because of our sin nature, we often praise or worship the wrong things. 
As Roman 1 tells us, we often worship the creation rather than the creator. And the psalmist here knows this, and so that's why he's giving us this warning in verses 3 and 4, who not to praise. And as we just seen in verses 1 and 2, that's the way of the righteous. Verses 3 and 4 is the way of the wicked. This is the foolish, foolish way. And it says, do not put your trust in princes. The people of this world are like vapor. That reminds me of Job and describing that life is vanity. It's hard to grasp. It doesn't always make sense. And it's really complex and messed up because of sin. Sin affects every aspect of this world. It affects every square inch. In chapter 10 of Job, he says this, Remember that you have made me like clay, and you will return me to dust. Job experienced the evils and the brokenness of this world to the max, to the extreme. He lost everything. And so Job's experience in this psalm is calling us to to be reminded of this reality, to worship the Lord alone, because he alone is what stands. He alone is what lasts. He is not vapor. And just remember, this is a corporate hymn, so God's people, Israel, would be singing this together in their worship. And guess what? They would be really familiar with broken leadership. We see all in the whole Old Testament, God's leaders appointed kings failing over and over and we see their idolatry and their unfaithfulness bringing God's people down leading God's people away from Yahweh the true king so they would have a very clear picture of not putting their trust in princes not putting their trust in leaders of this world because they failed over and over The prince here we see in verses 3 and 4 is the influential. So this morning, I think we can see it's pretty obvious. It's foolish to put our ultimate hope and help in human leaders. And yet we do it all the time, don't we? Whether it's our politicians, our teachers, professors, even our pastors. Uh, we see the celebrity pastor culture crumbling down each and every week, it seems like, where we put our ultimate help and hope in these people who are not the Lord God. We have social media influencers that we focus, we put our attention to. Jeremiah 17.5 says this, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. So you see this morning that you and I have been deceived. We are being deceived and we are cursed apart from Yahweh's sovereign work in our lives because we turn from him. We worship the creation rather than the creator. Of course, this is not to say human authority is bad. It's a given to us by God. It's established by God. We see that all over the scriptures but it's when our singular focus is on man is when we have real problems, which we're aware of. The psalmist wants us to see the king, the king is greater than the prince. And in contrast to the prince, who's like vapor, 
who will not stand, who will not last. We see verses 5 through 10, a case being built for Yahweh, describing his character. And this is where we see the Lord is worthy to be praised. Why is the Lord worthy to be praised? We see in verse 5, it's blessedness. So God has made a covenant with his people. He has come down. He's made himself known to you and to me. He's the God of Jacob, and he alone brings hope and help. The blessed life, remember uh, Psalm 1 and 2, is this, being in right relationship with God. It's the tree planted by the stream of living water. Verse 6, we get an image of Genesis 1 and 2. The creator God has made himself known. He has created all things in his creation, and he has revealed himself in an intimate and close way with his creation. Again, God's people are blessed to be in communion with God. That's the source of true life, true hope, and true help. The Lord is creator, but he's also sustainer. Look at verses 7 through 9 with me for a moment. I just want you to hear the actions of the Lord. He sets free. He feeds. He executes justice. Opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts up. He loves. He watches over. He upholds. That's where we see the Lord at work sustaining his entire creation. But look at the types of people the Lord provides for. The oppressed. The sojourner. The hungry. The prisoner. The blind. The bowed down. The righteous the widow, and the orphan. Brothers and sisters, we have to see this morning that the Lord loves true justice and mercy. In verses 7 and 9, we see the Lord sustains those who are in need. The lowest of the low, the weakest of the weak, the Lord sees them and sustains them. No one loves justice and mercy like our God. No one has a perfect picture or understanding or comprehension of true justice besides Yahweh. He's the one who cares for his creation. The very creator creates and sustains. He alone has power to make true change. That is good news this morning. He alone can bring about the things we see. Brings about care for the widow, the open, and the sojourner. And guess what? He uses his bride, the church, you guys, brothers and sisters, to participate in this kingdom work. We see here the Lord is actually upholding his own law and covenant given to his people in Exodus 22:22, which says this, You shall not wrong the sojourner or the oppress him, for you are sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child if you do mistreat them and they cry out to me i will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn do you see this morning that psalm 146 is saying that god has heard their cry he has heard the cry of the oppressed the bow down the widow the orphan the sojourner and he cares and sustains them that's such good news. And we have to consider 
this commandment in Exodus 22, 22 is for us. It says that his wrath will burn. Brothers and sisters, you and I have neglected this commandment. We have broken the law of God. We haven't loved the lowest of the low the way God has called us to by his word. Not only that, this isn't, we haven't only broken this commandment, we've broken all the commandments of God. You and I deserve the wrath of God. That's not very good news, is it? We are wicked. We deserve to perish, according to verse 9. Because, and watch this, we don't follow his commandments, and that's because we don't worship and praise God as we should. Remember, all life and praise is worship, and so we do not worship and praise the Lord. But guess what? There is another. God's wrath has been poured out, not onto us by faith, but onto his son Jesus instead. Jesus takes on the penalty for our idolatry and unfaithfulness. Jesus takes on the wrath of God for our sake. He's the one that fulfills these commandments and obeyed perfectly. And Jesus brings the reign of God in our hearts and lives. Listen to Isaiah 61, describing, foreshadowing King Jesus. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Jesus, God has sent, the Father has sent the Son to, to declare liberty and good news to us. Jesus is this a true anointed one who has been sent to fulfill the mission of God. I hope you see this morning, in a Son of Man, there's no salvation. But by faith in the Son of Man, Jesus, salvation is fully realized for the people of God by the cross, by taking on the penalty of sin and death. And through the cross, we have his death, but it doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. It's his resurrection that we have hope in. And that's why and how we praise Jesus. That's why on this Lord's Day, Sunday morning, the first day of the week, the day of resurrection, we worship and praise our crucified, risen Lord. That is good news, y'all. He has liberated you and I by faith. He's the one who cares for the widow, the sojourner, and the oppressed. And he has redeemed you collectively and individually. So this is what fuels our worship. Seeing, believing, bathing in, and believing that we have been redeemed by our Lord. So if if you're like me, you read this psalm and you get guilty. You're guilty for not praising the Lord in every aspect of life. Well, there's grace for you this morning because of King Jesus. If we take open and honest stock of our lives. We see we don't come close to this commandment, but there's grace for us. And we've been saved for worship, and the Lord is at work in your lives. Verse 10, the Lord reigns forever. 
So uh, when I was in fifth grade, I was traveling to Phoenix, Arizona. At that point in my life, it's the furthest I've ever been away from home. So I was really excited for this trip. I just couldn't wait. And we, we had to get up at like 4.30 in the morning uh, that morning to go get our flight. And that whole night, I couldn't sleep at all. I was wide awake. And I didn't sleep. I was just like so excited to go on this trip. I anticipated our, our trip to Phoenix. And this morning, brothers and sisters, we're called to anticipate the coming of the Lord's kingdom. We see in verse 10 that the Lord will reign forever and ever. And this is a new heavens and a new earth. This is where the story is going. Through Jesus Christ, our crucified, risen Lord, is coming to redeem all things. And we are called as God's people to anticipate the new heavens and the new earth. Like Job, you and, all, you and I have experienced the brokenness of the world, but we know that all, as far as the curse has gone, so is God's grace is going that much further. That he's coming to redeem all things, and that's really good news, and that's where we have our hope and help, and that's what gives us energy. It's what fuels our worship where the story is going. It says in verse 10, Your God, O Zion, this is the place where the Lord depicts his everlasting city. We see this in the book of Revelation, heaven coming down to his people and wiping away every tear and making all things new. If that doesn't get you excited about worship, I don't know what does. This is such good news. Unlike a son of man, the son of man, the true king, sits at the right hand of the Father and reigns forever and ever and offers salvation to his people. He offers salvation to you and to your neighbors. And we respond with true worship, praise, and honor in every aspect of our lives. So the psalm ends as it begins. Praise the Lord. And I just hope this morning you see the beauty of God's kingdom, the beauty of our Lord. And you're free to praise. You're free to obey this commandment by the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. So I hope this is a renewed call for you this morning, a new reminder of God's grace for you this morning. And we get to anticipate that on our communion supper. Will you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for your word, how it, ch how it challenges us, how it corrects us, but how it brings us to grace to see the coming of your Son and your kingdom. We ask that we would experience it new this morning, your grace and your love for us, and that it would fuel our worship of you in every aspect of our lives. Amen.